Open your Bible with me if you would to, let's see, where should we go? I'll have you go to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to continue with our series that we've been calling Declare a Thing, taken out of Job 22 verse 28, that Job's friends were telling him, they said, you will also declare a thing and it will be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. And we've been starting off every service with that verse, and then we've been saying this, so let's say it again, I will also declare a thing. And it will be established for me. So light will shine on my ways. As I was preparing for this sermon, I thought that there would be one more sermon in this series. In fact, I told Jonathan and Elizabeth yesterday that, yeah, we have one more sermon and then I'm done. Well, in the preparation of it, I definitely discovered another one. So I think there's probably at least two more, maybe more. So we'll just go as far as, as the Lord is taking us tonight and as what we have time for. In Proverbs 18, it tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Everyone say death, death. and life. So both of those are at your disposal, in your mouth and on your tongue. And so how you choose to use that, we're going to have to give an answer for. And we looked at being accountable for our words, and we looked at how that our words are like containers, and they can carry full of be full of faith, or they can be full of doubt and unbelief, or they could just be empty. And either way, we're going to have to account for that. And in James, he talks about, he compared the tongue to a steering wheel, right? or the rudder of a ship, or the, or the reins of a horse. And so your tongue is the steering wheel of your life. Your tongue is the steering wheel of your life. I said this a couple weeks ago, I said, if you don't like where you are in life, then start saying something different. Use your tongue to create something different. So did you find Ephesians 5? In verse 1 it says this, Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Everyone say, be imitators. What does it mean to imitate somebody? It means act like they act, right? Have you ever had a little child that tries to imitate you? If you've had a little one, they'll, they'll put on daddy's shoes and they'll go clomping around the house. They'll try to say things that you say. They try to mimic you. They try to imitate you. They try to be like you. And some people say that's the highest form of flattery. Well, I don't know about flattery, but it certainly is something that they want to be like. Well, here he's telling us to do this with God our Father. Imitate Him. Mimic Him. Do what He does. Look like He looks. Act like He acts. Say the things that He says. Show up like He shows up. You know that old saying that years ago was so popular, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Well, what would God do? I mean, it's, it's the same. And just apply it that way. Be imitators of God. And then in the next verse, if we'd keep reading, you see it says to walk as Jesus did. We in love. And so we're imitating Him. So in Genesis, where He tells us when He created the world, and it says that God made man in His own image after His own likeness, made He them. So they were designed and created to behave like God. They were designed and created to look like God. They were designed and created to act like Him, to behave like Him, to think like Him, 
to have emotions and reactions like Him. You know, our corruption of our reactions and our emotions, that came after the fall. God has emotions. He's the one that created them. They were His idea. Your emotions are not bad. What you allow them to do or not is what determines whether it's good or bad. So here in Ephesians 5, be imitators of God. You know, God's Word, we're, we're talking specifically now about imitating Him with what we say. Imitating Him with our words. And what do we know about God's Word? There's many things that we could say that we know about God because they show up when He gives His Word. You know, His Word is His bond. God's integrity depends upon Him keeping His Word. He says what He means. He means what He says. God doesn't say a thing and then change His mind and say, alright, that one doesn't apply anymore. No, if He said it, it's established. It remains forever is what Scripture says. And so God is a, 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 a God of His Word. A person of His Word. You know, God is a person. I mean, He's God. But He has all the qualities of you and I, a person. And He made us to look and act and behave like Him. So God's integrity depends upon Him keeping His Word. God's Word containers are all filled with faith. Or do you think that God just says empty, sends out empty faith containers? Because to God, that's what they are. Faith containers. They're not just containers. To Him, they're, they're useful faith containers. And when He speaks, He expects it to happen. Why? Because His words are alive. They're alive. They're a living thing. They're functioning. His words don't fall or fail. In fact, in, in Joshua 21, it says this. It says, none of the good promises the Lord made to the house of Israel failed. Amen. None of the promises He made to the house of Israel failed. Not one. It says everything was fulfilled. Everything. All the promises He made. Why is that a big deal? Because this is the character of God. God is a man of His Word. I'm using the word man, but he's so much more than a man, you understand. But he, he is a God of his word. And he intends that his word is accomplished and is performed in the earth. He expects that his word will do everything he sends it to do. But there's a thing about this that we have to understand is that the Holy Spirit is, is one that goes into operation to cause his word to be accomplished. Like, go all the way back to Genesis and you look at the creation of the world. And there's that, that glob of shapeless, formless, void, blackness floating wherever it is, right? It, it didn't have a shape. That was the earth. It says, God created the heaven and the earth and it was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And what? The Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the water. But nothing is being created. Nothing is changing. Nothing is happening. The Holy Spirit alone will not change your life. The Holy Spirit alone is not enough. That's a bold statement, but I'll stand by it. The Holy Spirit, without the Word of God, will do nothing. It wasn't until God spoke that the Holy Spirit sprang into action and created light, and created soil, and created animals. God spoke and the Holy Spirit there hovering over the water began to create. 
So without the Holy Spirit, I mean, without the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will just wait. He's patient. He'll wait. He's waiting for the command of God, for the Word of God to be given. The same faith that created the world, that filled God's Word containers, is still working today. It still holds everything together. It's still in operation. None of it has weakened or waned. And it's the same way we're talking about being an imitator of God that He expects us to use our words like He does. In Jeremiah, it says, The Lord said to me, You've seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. If you're taking notes in Jeremiah 1 verse 12, I watch over my word to accomplish it. I watch over my word to accomplish it. Why is that important? Because His Word is His bond. You know, Scripture tells us that God cannot lie. And that even if all men said something different, it says, let every man be a liar and God be true. Because it's impossible for God to lie. And so, He watches for His Word in the earth to accomplish it. To cause it to come to pass. In Psalms 119.160, it says, the entirety of your Word is truth. The whole, or the sum, some translations say. The sum of your word. The whole of your word. The entirety of your word is truth. Each of your righteous judgments endure forever. There's something else that we know about God and His word. God has faith in His word. Let's say it a different way. God believes what He says. That's called faith. God is a God of faith. He is not exempt from faith. Right? He believes what He says. And if He says it, He fully expects it will be accomplished. Isaiah 55.11 is a Scripture for that. It says, So My Word that comes from My mouth will not return to Me empty. It will accomplish what I please. It will prosper in what I send it to do. So, we know that His Word is His bond. That God has faith in His Word. We also know that His Word is forever. There's not an expiration date on His Word. You know, have you ever tested milk that was past its expiration date? And you, you're suspect of it, right? You go into it carefully. Kind of like some people treat the tithe. Right? They go into it carefully. They're suspect of it. Take a little sip and... I think it's safe. So you take a little bigger one. Nah, that's bad. Throw it away. (laughs) But there's no expiration on the Word of God. If He said it thousands of years ago, it still stands true. It'll still operate. It'll still function. Just like it was brand new. Because all this thousands of years is like it doesn't even exist to God. It's as though He said it now. God is the God of now. He said, I am. That makes Him current. That brings Him right into your moment, right into the second that you're living in right now. I am. He said, I'm not the God of the dead. I'm the God of the living. He is the God of now. So, take Him at His Word and believe Him when He says that my Word is forever and it's firmly fixed in heaven. Psalms 119. His Word is forever. It's firmly fixed in heaven. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but My words will never pass away. So there's no expiration date. His Word is forever. Now, we're talking about using our words 
and using them to, as God uses them, for good purposes, for encouraging, for building, for creating. And in Psalms 103, verse 20, why don't you turn there and let's look at that together. In Psalms 103, did you know that the Word of God is backed not only by the Holy Spirit, but also by all of heaven and His angels? The angels are watching to enforce His Word. The Lord said, I watch over My Word to accomplish it. Well, there's Scripture that tells us the angels are also doing that. In Psalms 103, verse 20, I'm reading in the ESV, it says, Bless the Lord, O you His angels. Some translations say messengers, but the Word is for angels. You mighty ones who do His Word, obeying the voice of His Word. The living or the tree of life version says, Bless Adonai, you angels of His, mighty in strength, performing His Word upon hearing the utterance of His Word. The angels are waiting for the sound of His Word to be given, and they go into action to cause those words to be true. All of heaven backs what God says. That's why we are to pray that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His will is enforced from heaven and you and I as ambassadors in the earth today, we have a very important job. And that is to say the things that God once said in the earth. That is to declare and to pray out and we're His representatives. We're, we're His people. We're His children. And as an ambassador, if you go to another country, you know, if you take the ambassador to you know, Switzerland, for example, I don't know if there's one there or not, but we'll pretend there is for tonight's discussion. So, if there's an ambassador to Switzerland, he represents the president. He speaks on behalf of the president. But if the president is of bad reputation and you can't trust what he says, like our current one, that the ambassador might have some trouble with what he's representing, what he's saying. Not sure if it's going to be true or not. But that's not who we're an ambassador of, is it? We know that He'll back up His Word. That He's watching for it so that He can accomplish it. That not only Him, but the angels are standing by listening so that they can bring it to pass. If you'll look over in Hebrews, Hebrews 1, you'll see this is mentioned here again. Hebrews 1 and verse 13, speaking of Jesus and comparing the angels to Jesus, And then he says, now to which of the angels, verse 13, to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? See, he never said that to an angel, but he did say that to Jesus. Still referring to the angels in verse 14, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? The angels are sent out to serve you, the redeemed of the Lord. They have been commissioned and put on assignment to help you as you walk out the plan of God for your life. Do things like prop buildings up if they're about to fall over. You know, they're there assign, on assignment to help you. And if you want to activate your angels, say what God says. When you speak the Word of God into the atmosphere, the angels go right into action. The trouble is, is so often, unlike God, we say things out of two sides of our mouth. We don't just say one thing. 
We say, well, bless God, I'm going to be healed. In the name of Jesus, I'm healed. And so the angels are right there and they're like, all right, that's right. We're, we're bringing the healing. We're getting this accomplished. His body, we're right now, we're, we're affecting his body to cause it to be healed. And then the guy turns around and goes, so anyhow, you know, makes some statement about how this whatever he's wanting to be healed from is still his condition. It's still something that he's planning on. You know, maybe I'll get healed. Well, that nullifies all your statement of faith that you just made. You know, when you speak the Word of God, for example, when you would say things like, um, by His wounds, I am healed. By His wounds, I was healed. Those are two different Scripture verses. You just spoke Scriptures. Angels are standing by listening. But then if you go on and say, you know, man, I tell you what, my back is just killing me. And um, I don't know, I should probably go look to go to the doctor and I should probably, I don't know, get a wheelchair. Well, those angels standing right there go like, okay, as you wish. As you wish. How many have watched? Well, don't raise your hand. But if you've watched The Princess Bride, right? He just keeps saying, as you wish. Well, angels are not genies. But every time you say something contrary to what the Word of God says about you, you're stopping them from being able to do what the Word says they do. So let's be diligent in saying what God says. Let's be like Him. What was our text? Ephesians 5.1 Be imitators of God. And if He says I'm blessed, then I say I'm blessed. If He says I'm the head and not the tail, well then I'm the head and not the tail. If he says I'm more than a conqueror, well then, bless God, I am more than a conqueror. When he says I'm the heel of the Lord, I am the heel of the Lord. When he says he's redeemed me from sin, well, there's no sin laid to my account. Right? Well, let's say what he says about us. Where people get into trouble is they try to say things that God said, but twist them and use them out of context, use them in ways that God never meant for them to be used. And then you get into problems. You know, the devil tried that on Jesus. He tried using Scripture, Psalms 91, to get Jesus to jump off of a temple to prove that He's God. And he quotes Psalms 91 to him. Well, the angels will bear you up and keep you from hurting your foot. And so, Jesus, being wiser by far than the devil, gave him other Scripture and said, You're not supposed to tempt the Lord your God. So we don't do things to prove Scripture. We don't do things to test to see whether or not... I only know of one place in Scripture that tells us to test God on something. And that's on the tithe. Test means, see, if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven on your behalf. Try me in this. Prove me in it. That's the only place that I'm aware of where he says to, to test him. Everywhere else, we're just supposed to do what he says and believe it. Go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Now, some people get real hokey pokey about angels and really weird. And, and we, we're not going to do that. I, we don't worship angels. We don't sing to angels. And we don't 
try to get a leading from an angel. We're not looking to have an angel show up. I don't even pray and ask to see angels. I ask to see what the Lord wants me to see. Whatever that is, I want to see that, Lord. I've seen angels already. And I promise you this, that when when I saw an angel one time, I wished I wasn't seeing him in that moment. And then people come up with crazy stories about seeing things. Well, anyhow. Ecclesiastes 5, did you find it? In verse 2. Do not be hasty to speak. We read this the other week, but I wanted, to, I wanted to bring something out for you. Don't be hasty to speak and do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Go to verse 4. When you make a vow to God, don't delay fulfilling it because He does not delight in fools. Fulfill what you vow. Better that you do not vow than that you vow and not fulfill it. Verse 6, this is where I want you to really see something. Do not let your mouth bring guilt on you, and do not say in the presence of the messenger, that's an angel, in the presence of the angel, that it was a mistake. In other words, what you vowed to God. Why should God be angry with your words and destroy the work of your hands? Can anyone think of Scripture that tells us when God actively fights against you? When you're proud. That's the one I was looking for. God resists the proud. That's not God turning away from you. That's Him working against you. Him not on your side, fighting against what you're up to. Man, that is nowhere any of us want to be. And using our words in this way is a form of pride. To say something flippantly to the Lord and then not fulfill what we said to the Lord... I mean, if you said something that to the Lord that you ought not have, what there's repentance, there's a way out of that. But it's not just a, well, now it isn't convenient for me, so now I'm not going to do it. And the Lord sees that for what it is. It's pride and He resists that. In the literal translation, it says it this way. Do not allow your mouth to cause your flesh to sin. Do not say before the angel that it was an error. Why should God be angry over your voice and destroy the work of your hands? You think it's not important what we say? Think again. It's extremely important what we say. Now don't go be all religious about it and being you know, word police to each other. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. He can convict people. And there's, there's a place and a time to say something, sure. And if it's with your family and you're in a place to, to teach your family, sure, do that. But we would serve one another better if we'd be, more, if we'd be slower to speak. Let's just put it that way. Slower to speak and more accurate with what we say when we're giving any type of correction. So what have we seen so far? Well, His Word is His bond. He has faith in His Word. His Word is forever. His Word is truth. We know that His Word is alive. Remember, we're all talking about the power of life and death in the tongue and that we're to imitate God. This is how He uses His words. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and effective. Say living and effective. If you like Elizabethan English, it would be quick and powerful. 
Alright? Living and effective. That's what it means. And it's sharper than double-edged sword. Penetrating. That's what the Word of God will do. It'll penetrate as far as the separation of soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. It is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. So His Word is alive. When you speak His Word, the Holy Spirit hears, the angels hear, God hears. In Malachi later, where Jen was reading earlier tonight, it says that, man, some people got together and they said some things and God listened to what they said. So God is listening. We should not treat our words as insignificant because God doesn't view them that way. And the thing is, is when we, have, when we stand before Him, because everyone's going to have to give account for their deeds in the flesh. When we stand before Him, we're going to answer for our words whether we thought they were powerful or not. At that point, that's done past. You can't change that. You're still going to have to answer for how you use them. Did you use them for my purpose? Or did you use them just for other purposes? And then finally, the Father holds His Word in the highest regard. Did you know that? Go over to John, the Gospel of John chapter 1. While you're going there, I'll read a scripture out of Psalms 138 to you. It says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name. Praising the name of God, the name of Jesus is good, right? Okay. He says, for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. He has magnified his word above his name. See, I was taught when I was little that your, your name's only as good as your word. Your name's only as good as your word. And if you build a reputation for being a person who says what they mean and mean what they say and and keep your word, your name will begin to have that reputation. And pretty soon you can just give that name and people will believe it because they know that's a person of their word. But the name is not really where it's at, is it? It's in the fact that the person keeps his word. That's more important than the name. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, you've magnified your word above all your name. If you're in John chapter 1, verse 1, look at what it, what it is here. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. I love the escalation here. Starts out subtle and then just brings it home. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And if you go all the way down to verse 14, it now begins to show us who that Word is. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory. The glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the Word. Jesus has a name that's above every name, correct? But Jesus is magnified above that name even. The name was given to Him. In John 17, in verse 17, where he, Jesus prays for the disciples, He's closing out the section of prayer that was for the disciples, because then there's a section that's for future believers, for you and I. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? In John 17, you can find that. He prays for the disciples, and then He prays for those that will believe. 
And so that's for you and I. And so in his prayer for the disciples, he made the statement, he said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your word, let's say that. His word word. is is truth. Jesus is truth. He is the truth. So what do we know from tonight? We know that we should imitate the Father. We know that God's Word is His bond. That His integrity depends upon Him keeping His Word. So what is the promise of God that you've taken a hold of? He'll watch over that to accomplish it. We know that God has faith in His Word. When He said, light be, He didn't stand around going, boy, I hope it works. No, he fully expected that what he said would come to pass. And the Holy Spirit sprang into action, even creating things from nothing to cause it to come to pass. We know that his word is alive. Well, very much so. Jesus is alive. We know that the Father holds his word in the highest regard. We know that his word is truth. We know Jesus is the word. And we are to be imitators of God. So stand with me and we'll say some things together. I know that's a real simple, real basic message. But I think that many times we over-theologize. Is theologize a word? (laughs) (laughs) Scott says no. It is tonight. You know what I mean. We, we, We bring too much theology and we kill the spirit of the thing. And... While theology is necessary and is good, and I'm in no way criticizing that, what I want you to do is always come back to the simple basics. If the gospel is simple enough, a child can believe it. So let's keep our faith there at that level. Let's say this. The Word of God God is forever settled in heaven. heaven. And He watches over His Word to accomplish it. His Word is truth. His Word is alive. Jesus is the Word. His Word is in my mouth. I believe His Word. His Word is in my heart. His Word is working mightily in me. I proclaim His Word on this earth. I bring glory to the Word of God. I speak the Word of God into my family into my business, into my work, into every environment that I go into. I speak the Word of God and He watches over His Word to accomplish it. His name is at stake. And He has a good name. And I believe that He's working mightily in me. Praise the Lord. Speak the Word. Ask the Lord, what would you have me say in this situation? Because sometimes we don't know. Right? Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes He'll tell you to be quiet. There's that side of it too. But usually, there's going to be a specific thing that will either change the situation or bring light to the situation, even if it doesn't change it. How many know that people still have choices? And that you can speak light to a situation Whether they receive it or not is another story, another sermon. But you've done your part and they will have to answer for what they did with the light that was given to them. 
Let's say this. I walk in the light that I have. Amen. We should pray first. Lord, I thank you that you have given us your word. Thank you for giving us Jesus. And that you resurrected him, that he's alive, that he lives within us. Father, thank you that you have given us a tongue and a way to bring you into every situation that we come up against. And that when we speak your word, when we declare your promise, Father, that you're right there present watching, ready to fulfill it. That you have assigned angels to cause your word to come to pass. And we bless you for this. Father, I ask you to reveal to us even more so. Give us a more of an understanding, a greater revelation of this great um, gift that you've given to us and the expectation that you have of us to use it for good and not for evil. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Father, bless the people as they go. I speak life and not death, peace and joy over your homes as you sleep tonight, that you wake up full of life, refreshed, full of zeal, able to do all things that he asks of you in Jesus' name. Well, love on one another as you go. Bless each other. Use your words to bless. everyone. God bless you all and thank you so much for coming to Church of the Word International here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Glory Hallelujah. to God. Hallelujah. Are you glad you're here? Amen. Me too. I just, I'm always every excited getting up Saturday knowing tonight is the night Amen. that I get to see my family Amen. and look around because that's what we are. We're the family of God. Amen. Amen. So beautiful. Well, I'd like to encourage you in our time of worship, which started when you came here and will finish when you leave, because we're here about the Father's business in his presence. And whether it be song or the written word or you just smiling at somebody, that's worship to the Lord. One way we love God is how? Loving one another. Yes, Amen. honoring each other, thanking each other. And the Bible is so full of that, isn't it? In, verse, in, in uh, Psalms 146, it talks about the psalmist is encouraging us not to put our trust in this world, not putting our trust in a man, but in God of our salvation. Why? He's righteous. He's compassionate. He's strong. He's majestic. He's, he's worthy to be praised. God is a supreme person in our life. Our eyes are ever on Jesus because he's the author and finisher of our faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. People will let you down because why? Let me, let me hear if you all know this. They're, they're not our source and we're imperfect. Now, we have the perfect one living in us, and we aspire to that, don't we? But we're not. There's only one perfect person, and his name is Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.
Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. See, that's speaking to yourself. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I'll sing praises to my God while I have my being. See, all those folks over there, they're no longer praising the Lord in the flesh. Their time is done, right? So while you're in the flesh, you have time to praise the Lord. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there's no help. His spirit departs, he returns to the earth, and then that very day his plans perish. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Is your hope in the Lord? Who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in it, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. He opens the eyes of the blind. He raises those who are bowed down. He loves righteousness. The Lord loves righteousness. He watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and the widows. But, but the way of the wicked, he turns what? Upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, is in all generations. And it ends with praise the Lord. And if you flip over all the way to Psalm 50, it's all filled with praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord over and over and over again. Why? It's a weapon against the enemy. When you praise the Lord, it's like oil and water. It, 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 you know, the, tri the tribulations and trials, they don't mix. Praising the Lord just lifts you up above all of that. And God ordained that, that we would praise him because he's your answer. Amen. So let's all worship. Let's all stand up as family tonight. And let's do the word. Let's all just give him a heartfelt worship and praise tonight. Amen. grateful for freedom yes. well where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom now he's promised that he would be where two or three are gathered so that means there is guaranteed freedom for you tonight freedom in this house tonight in a moment we're gonna go on with the rest of our worship set but I want to encourage you in something before we do that how many of you have ever gone to a weekend of meetings or maybe a week of meetings that from one night to the next night or day to the next day, it seemed like the anointing of God increased and it would increase and increase as you came back every day. Well, it wasn't when that happened. It's not because somehow the Lord has the air more saturated than he does at meeting number one. What changes is us. We're the ones that are being changed. You know, and when we come from weekend to weekend, so many times we leave at this level, but we come back at this level. 
And that's where we are not sensing the anointing and, and as, or the strength of it. And so as you sit, as you sit under the anointing of the teaching of the Word, as you then go into worship and praise the Lord and things break off of you, and then by the end of the service, you're moved back into that place of you're sensitive to the anointing. Well, how many would like to just start tonight where we left off last weekend? Yeah? So here's how we're going to do that. Last weekend, as wasn't that an amazing sermon that Dale preached? Entertaining too. Well, when, when he was done, he invited everyone to do several things. One is if there's any unforgiveness to repent of that. If you're dealing with fear, he invited you to be, be delivered of that. And then we gave some instructions out of Psalms on how to deal with fear or the enemy when the enemy is talking to you. And in Psalms 8 verse 2, it says this, From the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have established strength. Now Jesus, in Matthew 21, changed that word strength to praise. You have established praise. On account of your adversaries, that'd be the enemy, the enemy of your souls, on account of him, he has established praise in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. So tonight, as we praise the Lord within the rest of the worship set here, you understand that praise, the Lord receives it, and the enemy is silenced. It cuts him off, and let's just enter by faith where we left last weekend, and let's go further with the Lord than what we, where we left when we were here last weekend. Can we do that? Father, we present ourselves to you here tonight. And we want to go further with you, Lord. We don't want to just be same old, same old and, and come and leave at a level eight and, and then arrive back here at level four. Father, we want to go from faith to faith and glory to glory. So we present ourselves to you right here, right now, Father, and we give you our praise, pure, unadulterated praise and admiration for you, for who you are. Father, we believe that you are exactly who you say that you are, and we bless you for that tonight. We thank you for the mighty name of Jesus. Let's say his name together. Jesus! Jesus. I declare the name of Jesus over this house tonight, over our lives tonight. And Father, we present our praise to you tonight, our worship to you tonight as a sacrifice to you. And we worship you. We humble ourselves before you, Lord, and we recognize that you are almighty. Let's worship him. worthy. You've been so good to us. You've blessed us coming in and going out. You've given us eternal life. You've healed us. You've, you've delivered us. You've given us peace. You've given us life. You've given us family, Father. You've given us your name. Your name that we can be called your children. And Lord, we bless you. You are worthy. Worthy 
of all our praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, I just ask you for a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit in this house upon the people within and upon myself. Father, you said that if we would ask for the Holy Spirit, that the Father would give it. So Lord, I ask right now for a full infilling, full and overflowing of your Holy Spirit, of your presence, of your manifest presence in and on us and through us, that we might, we might walk in your gifts, see as you see, act as you act, be as you be. And we thank you for it, Lord. Someone say, I am full of the Holy Spirit. I am overflowing with His goodness. His light in me shines out of me. And I am a major blessing. All right, love on someone. Let's send the children to Children's Church. Give someone a hug. Welcome somebody. Introduce yourself. I'm glad you're here. Isn't Jesus wonderful? His presence is so here tonight, and it's just a beautiful thing. Well, I'm glad to be with you all tonight. How about you? We'd like to welcome you here to Church of the Word International, if this is your very first time. Do we have anyone that's with us for the first time? Can we just see a hand? Any, any visitors with us? All right. Oh, in the back. Okay, I missed him. Welcome. We're glad you're with us tonight. There's an information card. If you'd like, you could fill that out and just drop it in the basket when it goes back or through. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord this evening. So, glory to God. That's right. Get excited. We get to tithe. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. So good. Well, if you need a cash envelope, if you need an envelope for your cash giving... Raise your hand. So I was like, well, I want a cash envelope. Come on, let's, let's hand them out. If you need an envelope for your cash giving or by giving by credit card. And uh, we always appreciate when all of the blanks are filled out. So, Well, you can turn over to Malachi. And um, before we start reading where I feel like I got to sort of set the foundation of where we're going first. You know, tithing is a matter of the heart. It, it deals with the heart. It's an outward demonstration, really, of heart revelation of who God is to you. It's a personal thing. Who is God to you? And we see an example of this in the life of Abraham. You know, sometimes when you talk about the subject of tithing, you hear people bring up the law. Well, tithing was not introduced in the law. Tithing was regulated in the law, but that's not where it was introduced. Tithing was first an act of faith from a sincere, surrendered heart. It was not something that was out of duty. It was out of heart. And I don't want to, I don't want to turn, take the time to turn to Genesis 14, but if, you haven't, if you're not familiar with this account, um, I'll tell you it's in Genesis 14. And you know the story where these kings made war. It was four kings against five. And they come out, and Lot's, or Abraham's nephew Lot gets caught up in this whole thing. And 
they run off with Lot's family and all their stuff, and that all the cities, you know, were, were taken to the spoils of war. Well, Abraham finds out about this, and he and his several hundred uh, herdsmen go after him, and they win against these mighty kings. They win, and they get back all the things, all the stuff, and all the families, so the, the women, the children, Lot, and all this, and he wins. He comes back with all of this, and Melchizedek, priest of God most high, meets Abram. And he comes out with the bread and the wine. And we know what that typifies. And he blesses him. He says, Abraham, Abram, you are blessed of God most high. And Abram, in that moment, had heart revelation. And he knew this did not happen because of his strength. It was because of his strength. This was not my strength. It was his And he saw that very clearly. It's in him that I live and I move and I have my being. He is the strength of my life. He is the deliverer of all of my enemies. He is the one, the blesser, and every good thing, every every success I could ever have in life is because of him. It was in the Lord's strength that this happened. And it says that an Abram gave a tenth of all. See what I mean? It's a heart revelation of who God was to him personally. All right. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. says, I, the Lord, do not change. You know, it still takes faith to please God. It still takes that kind of heart, free will, on your own, towards the Lord, to please him. He doesn't change from that. He still wants you and I to believe he's a good God. You know, because, see, after Abram did that, the Lord's response was, Abram, I'm your very great reward. See, I'm the rewarder, Abram. You came to me willing and free, and you put me, you recognized me as supreme and Lord over all, and you just like this, and I was like that. (laughs) I don't know. Do you see what I mean? The Lord wants you to believe he's good. He is the rewarder. He says, I do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. Do you hear these words? This is heart language. The word says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. We move And he moves. It's dealing with the heart. But you ask, how are we to return? I'm going to read these verses, but we're going to come back to this verse 7 or 8. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation. Now, I'm going to just say here in Galatians, it says, Jesus was made a curse for us. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. So we are redeemed from this. Okay, I just want to make that clear. It says, because you are robbing me, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, 
for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Go back to that verse 8, where it says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Now, yes, the tithe belongs to the Lord, I believe that. But I felt like I had a, a view of this where it was more like, hey, that's mine, give it back. You know, like, like, give back what's mine. And I was looking into this, this word in the Greek, in the original, it wasn't, actually, this isn't Greek, this is Hebrew in Malachi here. But in the original, let's say it that way, I looked that up, what that word was, what that word meant, and it's the word kaba. It means to rob, meaning dubious, to cover, to defraud, to spoil. Some translations will actually use the word cheat here. Uh, will a mere mortal cheat God? And um, <clears throat> I looked up the word dubious. Dubious means to look upon with suspect, like not to be relied on or trusted. You know, you ever heard that phrase? He's of a dubious character. Well, I don't know about that guy. I mean, you know, I don't know. We can rely on him. God doesn't want you to look on him as dubious. He's not of dubious character. He does not, in other words, don't defraud him of the opportunity to pour out his goodness upon you. That's where he's, that's what he says. See the word test? He goes, test me in this. See if I won't do this. Don't look at me with suspect. Like I can't be trusted. Like I can't be relied on. Don't defraud me of the opportunity to bless you. You know, it'd be like if I said to my children, um, I mean, this analogy may break down, and I mean, don't take it thing by thing, parallel, but, you know, if I said to my children, go out and weed the garden, or weed, you know, do something outside, and in my heart, I'm thinking, okay, when they're done, we're going to go swimming, we're going to go get ice cream, it's going to be great, we're going to have, I'm going to bless my kids, it's going to be good. But they go out there, and they bicker, and they fight, and they complain, and they make it take all afternoon, until 7 o'clock, and we don't go out for ice cream, and we don't go swimming, and they just defrauded me. Do you see that? Don't cheat God. Don't defraud him, he's saying, because why? He wants an access point to bless you, and it's from the heart. See, that's why he said, return to me, and I will return to you. Don't defraud me out of this Right, to pour out the, open the floodgates of heaven and pour out on you a blessing that you cannot even have room enough to receive. And what is even that? I listened to a sermon, it was so good, by Oral Roberts called The Blessing, and I would highly recommend that. But a blessing more than you can receive is one that never stops coming. It's always there. You run into an obstacle and the favor of God shows up. The enemy tries to steal and God comes in to protect. And, and this happens and the blessing's there and the provision's there. And, and it just overtakes you and, and follows you. We get to tithe. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, you're so good to us. I just thank you that your heart is this that you are a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, that you, that you love your kids, that we don't have to rely on, on our own strength, our own abilities, that, that our strength is found in you, that we don't have to be limited by our abilities. You are the provider. You are the source. Father, we gladly return the tithe to you, and we thank you that you are the protector 
and the blesser. In Jesus' name, and amen. amen. And ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. I was going to ask the pastor to pray, but uh, <laughs> I guess we did that. So, <laughs> But the pastor has a few announcements to make, so I will give the mic to him. Well, good evening. We are the most blessed people of the earth. That's right. You know, worship is not just singing a song or carrying a tune or, or even a joyful noise. But worship is, you can worship by speaking. Did you know that? By just telling about His goodness. That's praise and that's worship. And so let's not be religious in our thinking and, and quarantine the worship of God to a four-song set when we come together. But we can worship Him all the time, wherever we are. We can tell of the goodness of God. And there's plenty to tell. There's plenty to tell of His goodness. And if you run out of stories, come ask me and I'll give you some of mine. And, and you can use those. To tell, to tell of his goodness. We have, I'm excited about our upcoming home group. We are going to beginning again, where's Debbie? What are the dates we're beginning? The week of March 6th. So you can begin to make plans and preparation for that. Um, we're going to have sign up to where you can sign up which group you go to. And Karen Burroughs is leading one of our groups. Uh, Kevin and Kelly are leading a group. Josh is leading the group in our home. And where's Troy? Troy's leading the group in their home or wherever they meet. So um, you're welcome to join any one of those groups. And I highly encourage you to join those groups because the topic that we're going to be studying together is something that is um, very, very timely for us as a congregation right now. You know, we as a congregation, we have stepped out in some things and stepped out into faith on walking out the Great Commission. And when one of the things that I found out very quickly that the enemy absolutely hates is church planning. I underestimated, I'm going to be honest, how much he hates it. And here's, here's I'm going to just speak from my own experience. I experienced extreme difficulty in Colorado planning a church. I thought that was a one-off thing. I thought it was because, well, I used to be Mennonite, and now I'm not, and, you know, all of that. Oh, no. Oh, no. It, it's, uh, it's the same thing. I see it all over again. I recognize exactly what it is. And see, we don't war against... It's not flesh and blood, right? It's principalities and powers and, and the power of the enemy, but we've been given the name that's above every name. So we're going to walk in victory in, in this, and one of the things that I've noticed in our own local body is that in, in this season of time of stepping out, people have had more opportunities to be offended with each other. And so the book that we're going to be going through together is called The Bait of Satan, and it's called Living Free from the Deadly Trap of Offense. Now, many of you may have gone through this book before. I mean, it's been around for, well, this is the 20th anniversary edition, so it's been around a while. 
And I'm not sure when the 20th anniversary edition was released, but we know that um, many people's lives have been drastically touched by this book. So what we're going to do is, as a church, we're going to go through the book, but we're going to do it on a bi-weekly schedule. And the in-between week, we're going to continue to do what we've been doing, and that is pray. You know, one of the things, when we stepped out to plant churches, we also started our prayer meetings. And again, it's not coincidence that that's when we begin to face opposition. So on, on the uh, bi-weekly, we'll, we'll study the book, and then in between, we'll gather together and we'll just spend time in prayer and, and blessing the Lord, however, however your home group leader wants to structure that's going to be up to them. But the focus will be prayer. So, let, uh, you can sign up on, in the, I don't know, is it in the back or in the back? Okay, on the table in the back, you can sign up. And if you are, have been part of the same home group for a while and you always go back to the same one, there's nothing wrong with that. But do sign up again so that that group knows to plan on you or not. Um, because it is possible that a group can get too full for a household and so we might need to adjust things if that happens. <clears throat> All right, let's talk about a few other things. Um, I'm going to give you an update on our building search as well as then we'll talk about the earthquake in Turkey and Syria and what we can do to help be an answer to that. As many of you that have been with us for a while know that we've been here in Landisville for almost 10 years now. And uh, it's been wonderful. We, God's blessed us so much in this place, this place, was an answer to our prayers, and we were an answer to their prayers. And so we are grateful for these last, ten, well, nine and a half years. June will be ten years. Um, but how many know that when the cloud moves, you should go with it and not stay where you were? And the Lord's been dealing with me that we've overstayed, that we, we need to go somewhere else. And so what, we're, what we need to do, and I'm asking you to join me in faith, Join me in believing for a meeting place, but not only that, to, um, you have full permission to go find one, and then bring it to me and say, hey, pastor, what about this place? All right, I welcome your help. And um, one of the, here's what it can look like. It can look like something exactly like we're in now, a shared situation. Um, It can look like a place that we're just there all by ourselves. Um, There's all manner of ways, right? My grandpa always had a saying, he said, there's more than one way to skin a cat, all right? There's more than one way to meet and worship the Lord, right? We don't have to be stuck on how it needs to look. And really, it's easier to just stay here and keep going because because that's what's easy. But we never were put on the earth to do the easy thing. We were put on the earth to do the right thing and be at the right place at the right time. So, So believe with me and be on the lookout for a building, Uh, Maybe, um, well, the Lord will lead us to... In fact, let's pray about that right now. Lord, I thank You for putting us in this place. That You blessed us with a place that we could meet that fit us. That was so wonderful for us, Lord. Thank You for meeting our needs and for delivering us out of the place we were in before. It was much too big, much too expensive, Lord. And You knew that and brought us into a place that worked for us. And we're grateful for that. And Lord, now we need another place. We need a place that um, works for us, that we can meet um, as you would direct us. And so, Lord, bring into our possession 
a place that we can meet, bring it into the people's eyes and into their hearts, help us discover where it is, show it to us, and we'll just go with you in Jesus' name and amen. Well, as many of you are probably aware, if you've looked at news in any way, shape, or form about the earthquake that happened in Turkey and Syria, and... um, It is absolutely devastating. They have the death toll, um, I looked today, this morning, and it was up over 25,000 now. And just entire blocks of apartment complexes flattened. And it happened at four in the morning, so people were in bed sleeping, right? And um, I'm going to show you some photos and then a video from, uh, this is, so Larry Mills lives in Hatay. And this is a picture taken from a drone over uh, an apartment subdivision, complex subdivision. And it happened just to the north of them, was the, uh, the center of the earthquake. And it went all the way over to Adana and Mersin, where the Marabellas used to be and where some of their people still are. It came down into Hatay, which that's one of the hardest hit regions. And so all their services are disrupted, gas, water, electric, all of those things. Don't know when they're getting it back. Um, the place has just really, it's been destroyed. And in, since they've been keeping record of things like earthquakes, the Richter scale thing, this has been the most severe earthquake that they've had. Now, Turkey has a rich history of earthquakes. I mean, going all the way back to the time of Paul and Ephesus and all those cities were leveled multiple times. The, the towns in the book of Revelations and the seven churches, those are all in Turkey. Those were all leveled from earthquakes back then. So it's not a new thing, but it is, um, it is a horrible thing. So let's go on, just go through these slides. This is, also, this is all from uh, Hatay, where Larry lives in the city there of Antioch. There was out in the mountain, it was amazing, they took a drone and took photos of out in the countryside and there's just like these, they call them fissures, but like uh, gaps in the ground across entire fields that have just opened up and they said the whole continent or the whole area shifted 10 feet. This is a store there, just the absolute destruction. Now this here is amazing. The circled area, you'll see in a video in a little bit from the other side of this picture, that is Larry's coffee house and church. And so the building directly across the street collapsed and this one started to tumble toward all of it and stopped. And I don't know if there's angels there holding that up, but that's amazing. Okay, let's go on. Pastor of an international church here in Antioch. We just suffered a major earthquake four or five days ago, Monday morning, February 6th, 4.30 in the morning. I'm here, we went through this horrible event, uh, an unimaginable shaking like I cannot put into words. Uh, And what's happened since then, I could write books. Um, But let me just give you a few updates here so that all of you know we're safe, praise God, we made it through it, but many did not. Uh, the numbers that we're hearing across the whole southeastern part of Turkey when we suffered a 7.8 magnitude earthquake 4.30 in the morning. Later that day at 1 o'clock was an aftershock of 7.5 and even more buildings had collapsed. But we have buildings collapsed throughout Antioch. 
Uh, the death toll they have set at around 20,600. That's the lowest we've heard. And as high as 45,000 died in, a, in a, a matter of two minutes. And the injured are over 80,000. Now I'm here in Antioch where we live and they said the highest casualties, the highest death toll was here at Antioch. The second was Karaman Marash, which is about 100 miles north of here where the epicenter was. Imagine, we've suffered more deaths in this city than where the epicenter was. And if you would see the center of town, you would understand why. But let me just give you a few shots and then I just want to talk to you for a minute. Um, you've seen behind me here the street that goes away. I want to show you our coffee house, the front of our coffee house. We're going to pan here to the this side. We came and found this across the street from our coffee house. And as you can see, this is the sign, the Bridge Coffee House. This is where our coffee house was. And then on the back side of that was our sanctuary. We've been in there with these rollers. Thank God they were down and they still work because uh, all these shops here have been looted. If we could show you, they've been completely looted. The stores, the uh, drug stores, everything. And our place, praise God, has been safe because of these roller things that have come down. And we went in, we were able to get out all the expensive equipment. We've already moved into a secure location. We still need to go back in to get a few more things. We're going to do that in a couple of days. But the building is not usable right now. As you can see, look at this building that's leaning into our building. And then further up the road, you can see the devastation. But I want to just talk to you for a minute because I've had my head in a fog for the last days because of what's happened here and trying to manage what we're going to do next and these kind of things. But it's amazing. That happened Monday morning at 4.30, but less than 24 hours before that earthquake happened, we had one of the greatest services in our church right here. And I I tell you, we had our greatest prayer meeting too, and probably why we had our greatest service. But I preached a very interesting message that morning, Sunday morning. I preached from Haggai chapter 2. Let me read you what I preached from. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more it is a little while, and I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former. God says, I'm going to shake the nations, and they're going to come to the desire of all nations. Hallelujah. It's horrendous what we see here. You go to over to, to Hebrews chapter 12, listen to this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised saying, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, now this yet once more indicates the removal of the things that are being shaken as of, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we have are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably you know the earth the, the, the things of this earth are shaken and he said when that is done they will come to the desirable nations and also what will not be shaken will remain and I believe his kingdom that's coming being established in this place um, 
is what's not being shaken in Jesus' name. In the last couple of days, my vision for a comeback has been great. This city is going to come back. This city is going to be rebuilt. And we're going to come back and we're going to be part of the rebuilding. And we're going to lay the foundations. I believe Isaiah chapter 53, what Jesus Isaiah prophesied that Jesus did for us, changes us. And you get over to Isaiah 54, because of what happened in Isaiah 53, it says, These righteous ones will dispossess nations and settle their desolate cities. That's our mission and that's our goal going forward. And my heart right now, I, I, my heart is broken for the loss of the people here and everything. But as we go forward, I'm already thinking four months from now, we want to come back here and we want to build a conference center that will change this region. We want to continue to uh, be a blessing here. And I believe our comeback is going to be 10 times more powerful than we've ever been before. And I believe it's as we stand together and we're together, God's going to do something still great for those that are still alive, for those that are still worthy of, you know, receiving this and, and being changed. Hallelujah. And I just ask you to stand with us in faith as we look forward together. My heart is stirred up right now. God's given us an opportunity right now to look to him and to trust him. And his glory will fill this temple. And the glory of this temple, this latter temple, will be greater than before. Hallelujah. And you know, I say it like this. The devil picked the wrong guy to mess with. I'm telling you, man. I am more stirred up to come back harder than I ever have before. And so we thank you for your love. We thank you for the outpouring of your support uh, in all these things. I'm taking a long time, but I, I just needed to get these things out of my heart to you. Thank you again. Hopefully we'll be talking to you. We'll be seeing many of you soon. Continue to pray. Continue to believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm Larry. Larry then sent me a few just voice messages beyond that that I wanted to share with you as well. So I'm just going to play them on my phone here and put them onto the mic. Hey, Brother Sidney, let me give you a little bit more information uh, that could you, you could use uh, about our situation here. Um, our building, uh, the frame part of it is pretty solid. Uh, they'll, be, they'll need to repair walls and things like that, but there's no gas, electric, or water. And given the destruction here, they probably... By building, they're talking about their house, their apartment they live in. We won't have any gas, electric, or water for a few months, uh, probably. They, uh, there's all the stores here have been looted. Nothing is on any shelf of any store. There's nothing open at all. No banks are open. No ATM machines work. No way to get money here uh, unless it's hand carried in. There's, um, yeah, what else? Uh, uh, also, a couple nights ago, I realized that uh, all the people of our church are relocating to other cities. Um, it's as if it's permanent, but I'm believing many will come back at some point in the future, but not anytime soon. So basically, we have no church to pastor right now. Uh, and our church building and coffee house, the building is definitely not usable again. The main building is just busted up but the coffee house and the church sanctuary were still standing we went in and we were able to get all of our equipment out stored in a secure place uh, we still want to get some furniture out of there and a couple air conditioners we got uh, 
generator and some other things already and all of our coffee house uh, machines and everything we took out. Praise the Lord, we were able to take those out and, secure, and lock the doors, lock it up again. The last thing I would say is that because most of our people have relocated, they're the people we want to support. We are trying to help them financially, and many of them, because they've some of them have lost everything. We had a businessman at our church who lost his business. All the, his he had a market. Everything was looted. Not one thing left. His house was smashed. Uh, his car smashed. He has nothing. Um, and so they relocated another city. We're helping them out with some finances. We're helping other people out in our church with finances. Of course, we need extra finances ourselves right now. And praise God, some people have responded. We've gotten some good um, finances coming in, and it's been helpful. Um, and going forward, uh, it would be a huge blessing. Most, I'd say a third or more of the city has already left. And uh, they're saying that, They'd like to have the whole city leave. Uh, it's not inhabitable. It's not livable. Uh, although, as I said in my video above, uh, I believe the city's going to come back. I believe it'll come back strong, and I believe we want to be here, be a part of that, and lay the foundations, be part of that, and believe God for great things. In Jesus' name. And as you know, that extends into Syria as well, and the Mirabellas are planning a trip over into Syria to help with the efforts there. And so there's no shortage of opportunity to be a part. And if you want to get money to them, now he said that it has to be carried in. What he was meaning was from the neighboring cities that are still have services. But in the city they're in, nothing's working. And so any, any funds that you want to get to them, uh, you can just do like you have been doing, give through the church, and, or go online um, onto our website. You can give it on there as well. Just make sure you designate it that it's for Turkey or Larry or the earthquake, and we'll, we'll get it all over there. I was really happy to see that MENA, which is the Middle Eastern North Africa arm of Rama, they are... Um, involved with Larry. I mean, Larry is from Rama, And so they put up this fundraiser and they were able to raise already $108,000 toward the effort. So I was really excited about that. And this is an opportunity for us to shine. Let the gospel shine. Meet needs. Show the love of God to people. They're hurting. And so um, ask the Lord how you should be a part of it. Those kind of problems make looking for a building seem insignificant, don't they? <laughs>